three-part series, Christmas in the Book of Ruth, and today we're going to be in chapters three and four. We won't comment on everything that's here, but we'll make some connections with the Christmas story. We find in chapter three, Ruth and Naomi are in a desperate situation. God's provided some food for them, but there's a bigger issue. The need is for Ruth to marry, for Naomi to have a descendant, for Ruth to have a husband. If there wasn't any marriage, they would have difficult times year after year. It wasn't like contemporary society where they could just go out and find a job it was a difficult time, a difficult kind of situation for a woman of any age in their times, and especially during the time of judges of the judges, when it says at the end of judges, every person did what was right in their own eyes. And so there were a lot of chaos, a lot of desperation going on. Ruth 3, 1 through 4, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek... Rest for you, that I may be well with you. Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were with? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And now there's something very curious that is told to Ruth. And it all sounds a little scandalous to us, but not necessarily. Ruth is told by Naomi, Wash therefore and anoint yourself, put on your cloak, go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Boaz is sleeping out in the open. Farmers would often sleep near their grain after a harvest to protect it from robbers and thieves. But Still, like I say, seems a little odd to us. Naomi's situation is desperate. She wants to get Boaz's attention, and she does that. Boaz is a kinsman, a relative of Naomi's deceased husband. And so it's possible that he might fulfill the role of what we would call a kinsman redeemer, someone in the family who can redeem Ruth and Naomi from this desperate situation. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, the man is a close relative of ours, speaking of Boaz. He's one of our redeemers. A kinsman redeemer was a close relative, and they were responsible to help a family member in a time of need. For example, if a family member became poor and had to sell off their land, the kinsman redeemer was supposed to buy back the land for them, according to Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25. The kinsman redeemer was responsible for buying back any family members that might have been sold into slavery to pay off their debt. That's Leviticus 25, 47 through 49. And... If a man died without having any children, his brother was supposed to marry the widow and have children in the brother's name. If there was no brother, that responsibility fell to the closest relative. And so this is where Boaz is coming into the picture. 
the kinsman redeemer would marry the woman, have children with her, keeping the line going. That's Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. And so Naomi and Ruth were hoping that Boaz would fill this role of the kinsman redeemer by marrying Ruth and the family name would continue. So she has Ruth get ready, in a sense, as a bride, putting on her best clothes, going to the threshing floor. It says in verses 7 and 8 of Ruth 3, Boaz had eaten and drunk in his heart. His was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly and covered his feet, lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he's a little surprised and he wondered, what is going on? He says, who are you? She said, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. You're a redeemer. And Boaz had prayed that God would take Ruth under his wing. And now Boaz is becoming a part of the answer to that prayer. And to spread the corner of your garment over a woman was to pledge marriage. Ruth and Naomi quite bold and she says to Boaz I want you to be my kinsman redeemer I want you to spread the corner of your garment over me to show that you show me that you intend to marry me marry me they were quite bold but they were quite desperate now Boaz could respond in lots of ways if he was ungodly he could have raped her could have done ungodly kinds of things to her Ruth could have been in a situation where he could have cried out, exposing Ruth, saying, there's a woman here. And she would have been embarrassed and would have been exposed in that situation. So Ruth is taking quite a risk. She is visiting him in the middle of the night. She's bringing up marriage. She's put herself at the mercy of Boaz and Apparently she knew he was a man of character, so Boaz responds, and even though it's a love story and it's a little bit unusual to us in some of the customs, it is a love story, beginning verse 10. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than the first. You've not gone after the young men. Now do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for you are a worthy woman. And so he says you're a worthy woman, some say a virtuous woman. And remember that Ruth had come from Moab. She was an unbeliever, had formerly worshipped the heathen god, Shemash, and now she's someone who loves the Lord. She's been transformed. She's worshipping the true God. And so now Ruth and Boaz could be together, ultimately as husband and wife, but there's a little problem. There is another relative, another kinsman redeemer who's closer than Boaz. So he says, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3, it's true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than me. Remain here in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down till the morning. Now, he doesn't have to do this. There's another man who was obligated to do it. But he's willing. 
And so Boaz continues to protect her and provide for her. Naomi hears what happens, and she says, Wait, my daughter, until you learn what happens, what, how this matter turns out. He will settle it. And so in Ruth chapter 4, the story goes on, and it says that Boaz goes up to the gate, and the Redeemer, this closer relative, comes by, and Boaz says, Hey, come here. And so they sit and they begin to talk and there's 10 elders of Bethlehem who are there. And they all sit down and he says, Naomi's come back, you know, from Moab. And she is selling the parcel of land that belonged to Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you about it. Buy it in the presence of those sitting here. And if you'll redeem it, then redeem it. But if you will not, tell me. That I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and then me. And he says, if you don't, I'll redeem it. So they meet together. This is the place in that time in the small cities where legal transactions took place. There were witnesses. The kinds of things that happened at City Hall happened at the gate of the city in those days. And... He hasn't said anything about Ruth. He just mentioned the land. And the man begins by saying, Sure, I like the land. But Boaz says there's more to the story. Boaz says, The day you buy the field, verse 5 of Ruth 4, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite. She's the widow. And in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So here's the bomb being dropped. When Naomi's husband died, the property passed on to her two sons. If this man wants to fulfill this role of the kinsman redeemer, he's going to have to marry Ruth. Well, that changes things. That man didn't want to marry Ruth. She's from Moab. And he doesn't want to endanger his estate, apparently. If Ruth has a son, that son will be a part of Naomi's family. And if something happened to his own sons, his entire estate could be transferred over to Naomi's family. The Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself. I don't want to impair my own inheritance. I don't want to threaten my inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself. I cannot redeem it. He didn't want to get into this situation. But Boaz says to the people, he says, you're witnesses. He says, I will take Ruth to be my wife. And so Boaz was willing to give up all that he had. He was willing to take this step of sacrifice to marry Ruth. That's why the other kinsman redeemer back to out of it, but Boaz was willing to take this step to marry Ruth, and he was willing to marry someone from Moab, willing to pay the price. It's a love story. It's the story of someone related who redeems someone from a desperate situation. 
And that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer related to us. And yet he buys us back out of our desperate situation. Galatians 3.23 says we were imprisoned under sin before Faith came, we were held captive under the law. Because of our sins, we're held captive, we're lost, we're cut off from God, desperate. But Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God sent his son as the kinsman redeemer, as one who is of our family, who purchased us back by his death on the cross. He became kin with us. He's our kinsman redeemer, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us, that we might receive our full rights as sons and daughters of the king. And so Boaz purchased the redemption of Ruth. It was costly. And the redemption that we receive was costly. We're told in Mark 10, 45, that Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many to purchase our salvation. Just as Boaz did not serve himself, he served Ruth, he served Naomi, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, and it cost him his life on the cross, his death on the cross for our sins. God made him, it says in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, the great exchange our sin for his righteousness, his righteousness for our sin. Remember, in the story of Ruth, the other kinsman redeemer, he was worried about losing his estate and the inheritance for his sons. Well, Jesus left his estate and came here. He left the glories of heaven and came to earth as a human. On the cross, he said, Oh, Father, do not forsake me. And yet, the cost of his death on the cross was that he went all the way to death on a cross to redeem us from our forsaken situation in sin. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. That redemption is not automatic. You need to come to Jesus. Your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your friend needs to come to Jesus. And just as Ruth cast herself at the feet of Boaz, ultimately we cast ourselves in our desperate situation at the feet of our Savior at the foot of the cross, we come with nothing, but he gives us everything. And while Boaz and Ruth have a beautiful love story, there's a greater love story. The love of our Savior who comes for us. 
the love of our Savior who would pay such a high price on that cross. One who gives up all of heaven's glory to come in humility. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas time, isn't it? That our King would come as our Redeemer. Like Boaz, Jesus is willing to pay the price to redeem us. He's willing to take us, not because he's obligated, but because of his goodness, his grace, his love, his loving kindness. And he redeems us not with money, but with his own blood shed on the cross. So, Christmas time, we get caught up into all sorts of things that take us in lots of different directions. But it's a time to remember the old, old story begun hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, fulfilled in the life of Jesus, his miracles, his reality, his death on the cross for our sins, his resurrection for us, his love for you and me. And now hundreds of years following those events, we have opportunity to celebrate. So you have a great Christmas and make sure that you keep the focus on Jesus, who he is, his love for you, for your neighbor, for your family. May you be blessed. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you during this Christmas season that we can remember that you are the real reason for the season. You're the one that we celebrate and we're so thankful that we're not left to ourselves, to our own devices, and we're not left just to celebrate Christmas in some kind of a secular way with some kind of songs that don't speak of you, but we can lift the hymns of the faith, the carols, the songs of Christmas that proclaim your name and your truth. Give us courage, give us excitement, give us words to speak to friends and neighbors that tell the truth that you accomplished all the way back from Old Testament times to today. And we thank you for all you've accomplished and are accomplishing in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Christmas season. Thanks for being with me. God bless.